Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome on board. This is the third installment of the Fumble, and of course, your captains of this ship, which will sail the happy seas of the NFL is First Lieutenant, Mr. Durham Fletcher, and Second Lieutenant, Mr. Vernon Kay. Welcome on board. I thought that was quite out, Durham. You? <laughs> I like that. Now, the reason why we opened the podcast this week with that introduction is because last week I thought was an amazing week put on by both the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Baltimore Ravens. And to kick it off, Darren and I spent an evening last Thursday on the super yacht Kismet owned by Mr. Shahid Khan. It was amazing. And I got dropped off at Victoria Embankment and you were concerned already because you started to get bothered. Then we had a situation where we get on the yacht. Well, actually, getting to the yacht was the problem itself because... The Thames was so bouncy. I said to you, how are you feeling? I was really struggling. If we'd have been on that boat much longer, that little whatever they're called, I, I would have been in trouble. Well, they called it a tender, but it wasn't a That's tender. It. It, was, it was a super yacht for the super yacht. That's what it was. And you arrived at this pontoon on the north bank of the Thames, just outside the embankment train station. You were greeted by several of the Jacksonville Jaguars cheerleaders and some security for obvious reasons. And it was weird because we were put in a room whilst all the commuters were in another room. So they're like, well, can the commuters were saying, can we not go in that room over there and be entertained with champagne and cheerleaders? And the people at the Jags were like, no, not a chance. You can't because we're going on Shahid Khan's super yacht. So we were put on this tender and there was champagne, there were crisps, there were nuts, there were a few uh, nibbles, shorts, uh, yes. should we say. And then we arrived at the super yacht. We did. And, and that's where we took our shoes off. We, we talked about this last week. Have we really got to take the shoes off? The answer was yes. And we had to put on some pristine, brand new, sparkling white slippers, which we wore for the rest of the night. What I would say as well is one of the best parts of the evening, which will forever stay with me, was some of the stories that you shared with me en route to the pontoon, which we can't talk about on the fumble 
No. But I did enjoy those as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we can't talk about those uh, <laughs> because there's a lot of people who we have in common who would get very upset with the topic yeah. of conversation that we were talking about. So, so you know, when we got there, Vern, I, I, I knew it was going to be great, but I didn't think it was going to be as great as it was. I mean, this boat is 96 metres long and it is literally... It, it's like something off a movie, isn't it? It's so perfect. It's so posh. It's so flash. It's so clean. Everything is completely high-end. It's like a and sailing version of Falcon Crest. It is. Where was Angela Channing when you needed her? <laughs> it's well, Falcon Crest knowledge, that, by the way. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm very impressed. <laughs> Extremely the former, impressed. The former Mrs Reagan, I think you'll find. Yeah, nice. Uh, well... It's a super yacht, so therefore everything was super. The food, the drink, the hospitality. Great opportunity to pick the brains of Mr Shad Khan, owner of the Jags, owner of Fulham. And I think what he was saying was London now is uh, at a stage where the Jags can seriously consider, can seriously think about breaking even costs-wise, about putting on these London trips and making fans feel part of the Jags family, which, if you noticed, on Sunday, there were a lot more Jag shirts in that crowd than ever before. There was, there was. And, you know, I, I think, kind of going back to the night a little bit, I think I know what your high point... I think your high point was the lobster mac and cheese. Oh, my goodness me. Because you demolished at least three bowls of that. It, 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 it kind of gone. I had one, and it was nice. You loved it. Absolutely loved it. Well, two lads from up north, if someone brings forth a platter of mini bowls of lobster mac and cheese, you're not going to have one if it tastes ridiculously nice. It was topped with a little bit of truffle oil. Now, I know what you're oh, thinking. Is that what it was? Hang on, Vernon Kay and truffle oil. No, back off. I, I've been down south now since 1997. <laughs> I know what truffle oil is, all right? I know what right. it is. It's not what you get from potatoes. It's the stuff that pigs mooch around the ground in and find, and people call a delicacy. Yeah, and it tastes divine on top of lobster, mac and cheese. The food was out of this world. And we had a good conversation with the captain, didn't we, Fletch? And he was saying that he sailed it across the Atlantic to get to London. And he was saying that he's had some journeys where the bow, the front of the boat, the super yacht, disappears into the ocean. Now, that is scary because we were sat in the captain's chairs and they're pretty high up. It's like being sat in... Um, I don't know. I, I've never experienced that before, but we're going to put some pictures up on the uh, Fumble's Twitter feed of myself and Darren sat in the captain's chairs. But what, can you imagine that? A scary, scary trip. Yeah, bizarre. And we've also got photographs of us wearing the slippers. They, they can go on as well. Can, yeah. can, we get, can we give the numbers out as well? Because we, we were told the cost, weren't we? Oh, yeah. To rent it. I've oh, got yeah. to tell everybody that. Yeah, to rent this so, ship for a week. One, one week, yeah. It was £1.4 million, wasn't it, for mm. one week? Mm. Plus costs. Unbelievable. So that is just for the physical hiring of the function room, the boat itself. Then you've got fuel, then you've got staff, then you've got food, drinks, and everything else that comes with it. Which is just going to basically cost you two million quid a week. It's kind. Of, I tell you, who else was on the boat as well. We we we'd never really talked about this enough. Gerard Piquet was on there from Barcelona, wasn't he? Yeah, the weirdest thing ever. The weirdest thing ever. We saw him once ever. and then never saw him again. That's. I think that's because he was downstairs playing on all the toys. He was probably on a jet ski rising up and down the Thames. Well, he did go downstairs because because I rang my son. I said, "Listen, Gerard Piquet's on the. Oh, Dad, get a picture of Gerard Piquet. Never saw him again. No. And he was heading down towards the stern at that time." If and, I remember correctly. Yeah, and well, he went down and we went up and there was a point where Fletch and I had had, I'll be honest with you, when you when the 
Champagne is flowing freely. You're going to get involved, aren't you? Yeah. You're not going to let it sit at the bar getting warm. So we consumed several glasses of champagne and there was a moment, a moment where Darren and I seriously considered stripping down to our undies and getting in the jacuzzi (laughs) on the top of the super yacht. I think we did a photograph on one of the beds, didn't we? Was I on there? Uh, I must have been really drunk, Darren, because I can't remember that. <laughs> no, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't that kind of picture. Oh, OK. But, okay. It, but, it, but it was just me sprawling on one of the, the, the big... Right, is, I don't know whether it's you on oh, the bed. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And the, the other one took the photo. Yeah, and a member of staff uh, came in and it looked like you were posing for a new Jane Fonda album on the bed. That's the one. Yeah. They, they gave me grapes to cover my privacy. That's right. So uh, we got that picture too. And, and also... The thing that did it for me was I, I, I couldn't believe how we just let everybody walk anywhere you want to go. So you think, right, the party's in this big room here and there's a bar there and that's that. But basically, you get on the boat and Shard says, wherever you want to go, go and have a walk around, have a look at everything. And you just basically went anywhere you wanted to on the boat, didn't you? But I think that just represents him as, as a person. I think he's a really, really nice bloke. I think he's starting to realise that there is something in them, their hills in London. And I think the future of the Jags in London as a franchise seems very, very positive because let's talk about the game now. On the sideline, I was doing a little bit of work for Sky and we interviewed him and he said, you know what, we're seriously considering now our next move with London. And we think it could be in the region of another four or five games. So that's, that's, you know, looking bright for Jags fans. Well, there were a few bits in the US this week and they had quite a discussion on, on Mike and Mike in the morning um, early this week. And their belief is that, and, and, and again, it's all hearsay. You know, nobody's actually putting anything out there on record. But when you hear Shard say that kind of thing and then you, you hear Mike and Mike talk about the, the London impact on the NFL on their uh, US radio station, they were saying it's their belief that the NFL wants a franchise in London by 2022 they've actually put a figure on it and a hard date on it where they believe that's when the nfl wants a team here permanently if that's what's going to happen i know that you share the belief that you think it's going to be eight games with a mixture of teams and you buy a season ticket that way but it looks as though we're moving towards the time where a hard date could potentially be put on it and there's a framework for what the next process of the expansion is going to be. Well, I think that someone needs to think about what happens during the off-season, you know, because the NFL spends all this money, they bring the circus to town, it's only a 16-week season in the NFL, Super Bowl and playoffs take you up to February. What are we going to do in that time between the final whistle of the Super Bowl and the start of training camp? Because people will just forget about football. They'll forget about everything. I think if we have a franchise here, it needs to be a permanent base where we can see players in the off-season, where we can get loads of info. Fans can go down and watch practice. Fans can get involved like they do in the States because if there isn't a franchise, it then takes a while for the circus to kick up the Jenny engine and then get it fired up and then get it going again. So there's a, there's a, a big argument for both a season ticket of eight games, 16 different teams, or one team spending all year here in London. I think you've got a situation as well, Vern, that's worth taking into account. It's a really good point that you raise. If I'm, a, if I'm a fan of a team in London, which I would be, I said this last week on the podcast, if they're any good. If not, they'd be my second team. So I'm prepared to go that far. But I think you've got to bring everything over. So they've got to have their own uh, TV network like they have in, in the US. They've got to have their own radio network like they have in the US. That's the way you provide out-of-season information and interest for the fan base over here. Because if we're totally reliant on the TV channels and the radio stations who cover the sport now, 
covering it out of season, I don't think it's likely because I think the competition for airtime on, on both of those mediums is so great. But I think if it were to be the London Jaguars and all of a sudden the London Jaguars have a TV channel, the London Jaguars have its own radio station, the London Jaguars have a way to provide information on a daily basis and maintain that off-season contact with the fan base, I think all of that kind of thing has to be part of any potential London franchise as well. I agree with you. You can't get to the Super Bowl and then it disappears until September. Because in all, in all honesty, if they were to hold training camp as a London franchise, they'd have to hold that in the States because they'd be playing the preseason games over there. You couldn't realistically say to a side from the US, you've got to go and play one of your preseason matches in London as well. So I think that would have to be taken into account. So I think we're kind of getting to the point where we know we could sustain a team and we know there's the, the appetite for a team to be here. Then it's the rest of it. What, what else do you dress it up with to make it feel like a genuine NFL experience? And as you say, to maintain the interest and grow it even when there are no games to watch. And that's well, the key, Imagine if you're in the first draft and the London Jaguars in the first round of whatever year it's going to be, draft, select. Vernon Kay. Do I move to London? You've that, got no choice. Is that where I base myself? Because you'd have no choice. And I, and I think. This but is the, the thing is, the thing is, what I'm getting at, Fletch, is 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 training camp going to be on the East Coast in Florida, where it's nice and warm, where you can get everyone together, and then they move the team at the beginning of the season, or does everything come over? Do the players, you know, they've got lodgings to think about? There's no way players are going to live in a Marriott outside of Central London for the whole of the year. Not a chance. It's not I, going I, to happen. I think they'd have a training complex in the US and I think that's where they would play their pre-season games. I think that's where they'd have training camp. And I also think the way the schedule would be, they would also locate out there for maybe a two or three week period within the season to play a block of games in the US. But I also think as well that all of these questions that we're raising now would have to be collectively bargained. That's what they do in the States, isn't it? Between the NFL and the NFLPA. So Demory Smith, Roger Goodell would have to get in a room and they'd have to collectively bargain what happens with the players because the players would have to agree to living in a different country for a significant period every year. That's not in the current collective bargaining agreement as far as I'm aware. And it's very difficult to change any form of NFL legislation without collectively bargaining it. And that would lead to serious negotiations that take a tremendous amount of time. So there are lots of hurdles to get over. It's not just as simple as saying, well, 84,000 come, let's play eight games, let's stick a team in. So much to do, so much to do. Yeah, it's a lot of hard work and there's no straightforward, as we've discussed, yes or no answer to a London franchise. And by the way, if that little noise is doing your head in, that it's not the cogs working overtime. It's, uh, it's the fact that Darren's just come back from Russia because he was commentating on the Champions League last night. So he's on a line somewhere. Uh, where, where are you? Oh, you're in the, you're in the, the toy room again, aren't you? The I'm man... in the toy room again, but it, it, it was working better last week. Yeah, I think you've plugged it in the wrong hole, Darren. I thought, though, I thought the rattling with the moths trying to get out of your wallet. I'm going to palm that comment off. Last Sunday, did you let yourself down a bit with the powder blue jacket? Or <laughs> did Jeff Reinbold look as good as he's ever looked in powder blue? Which I, one was it? Did you inspire Jeff or did he inspire you I on think, the sidelines? I think it's the fact that Jeff and I are just so on trend 
You know, we saw the uh, the Dulux colour sheets and we thought, you know what, I'll go for a little bit of powder baby blue today. And uh, Jeff looks good whatever he's wearing, you know what I mean? He's got the Hawaiian Fair. thing going Fair. on. Jeff Reinbold walked on stage with me at the tailgate last week and I thought he was a Colombian gangster. I had yeah. a quick look to my left and thought, blimey, who's that? I didn't realise it was this sunny in London for a start because he got a right tan. He got the powder blue, there was a bit of pink in there, the tan shoes. And I thought, fair play, Jeff. If you can get up in the morning and you can stick that little outfit on and you can stroll out of here, my friend, in front of all these people with your shoulders pinned back, you've got my respect. Then I turn the TV on and there is my good friend, Mr. <laughs> K, in the same powder blue, rocking the Reinbold. I thought, go for it, big guy. I know. We did We did talk about it on air. I think uh, I think Solomon Wilcox was a little bit jealous that he'd left his powder <laughs> blue suit in the uh, in the closet back in the yeah. in the hotel room. But no, it was good. And I'll tell you what, what a great experience being stood on the sidelines with the Sky crew. Uh, and I've got uh, even more respect for Neil Reynolds because that guy knows how to work a TV gallery. So what happens is you get the feed, you get the live feed from America, from the American broadcaster, and then any highlights, let's say the interceptions or some good tackles or uh, anything to do with the quarterbacks because they're always key and pivotal to the game, Neil will say, I'm going to pick that clip, we'll talk about that, we'll pick that one afterwards and we'll do this, that and the other. And he just self-directs. And it was an absolute show of force from the Sky team uh, at the Jags-Ravens game. Really, really, really enjoyed it. It was phenomenal. So I did the tailgate with with Jeff in the Colombian outfit and Ray Lewis was on stage with us and we spent a bit of time with Ray, didn't we, in London after the the, the, uh, the party on Shard Khan's boat. We did. Great, great to be in his company. And he came on and he just told us a couple of little, little snippets on the stage, stories that you might have heard from him before, but I didn't know. And we were talking about the Super Bowl. and We talked about the final drive and the end of that game. Um, and he was t- telling the fans that... Dean Pease, the defensive coordinator, basically pulled Ray Lewis over and said, look, they've got four downs here to win the Super Bowl. What do you want to do? And Ray looked at Dean Pease. He said, we blitz on every play. He said, from now on, we blitz every time they take a snap. It's the way we're going to win the Super Bowl. So that, that was the game plan. They were going to blitz on all four downs. And Ray said, when the final pass sailed over Michael Crabtree's head and they won the Super Bowl, Ray said that the one thing that he'd, ins- he'd insisted upon was that the minute the gun sounded and the Ravens had won the Super Bowl, when the confetti came down from the sky, Purple Rain had to play inside the Superdome. <laughs> and he said it made it so special. He said, the gun goes, Crabtree's not caught it. He said, we've won the Super Bowl. Down comes the confetti. On comes Purple Rain. And he said the footnote to that story was they got together as a team again to celebrate and have the rings, etc. And he said for the entire night, we drank, smoked cigars and listened to Purple Rain on a loop all night long. Wow. And he said, whenever I hear that song, he said, I think about the Super Bowl and the ending and the win and the lights going off and all that kind of thing. And, you know, I think that's the kind of insight that sometimes we don't get, those special moments for those players and the kind of things that they remember at the end of their great careers. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, what a Super Bowl that was. The lights out Super Bowl. When the when the power yeah. failed in the Super Bowl, in the Superdome. In the Saints Stadium, who we've got this week. We have indeed. But before that on Sunday, let's talk about the big clash which is taking place tonight. It's the Bears, yes. my team, versus your team, the Green uh, Bay Packers. Packers. And in yeah. recent years, we all know that the Packers have been an outstanding short of force. Uh, the Bears have been an absolute... <laughs> Wet yeah. fart. 
Well, look, listen, let, let's get it right. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a proud man. I've proved that over the, the fullness of time. It's your team, the Bears, against my ex-team, the Bears. I switched from the Bears <laughs> to the Packers. Yes, <laughs> listen, and ever since I did that, the Bears have been horrendous. You know, I like to pull some numbers out, Vern, every now and again on the podcast. Go on then, big I've guy. I've got some numbers. for the, the game between the Bears and the Packers, the 195th meeting between the two clubs, and the series is tied, 94 wins apiece, with six ties. And in terms of points, the Packers have got 3,335, and the Bears have got 3,331. Wow. They're literally separated by four points wow. after 194 games. Oh, my gosh. Wow. There that, you go. that is a great statistic. I mean, the, the, the two, two founding fathers of the game. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I only bring the big information to the table here, my friend. Let's, you know, let's not mess Four about. Four points in how many? Hundred and... So it's 194 games. 194 Three... games. Yeah, 194. 3,335 for Green Bay. 3,331 for the Bears. They've got 94 wins each and six ties. I love that. I think that's so absolute it's, it's class. It's the rubber match in every way. And the Bears just can't get a foothold. I mean, a decent no. performance against the Steelers last week, but a lot of snot sloppiness uh, as we witnessed against the Steelers, but I, I just don't know what they're going to do. It, it, it's just embarrassing. Yeah, my worry from a Packers standpoint is they get injured early in the season, every season. So Mike Daniels, the offensive tackles, they're dropping like flies. And it's always special, isn't it? When you get two rivals like that, whatever sport it is, you know, whether it's Everton against Liverpool in the Premier League, you know, whether it's Ali Frazier in the boxing ring, whatever it is, when you get two heavyweight clubs teams, individuals with this kind of rivalry. It's always special. Now, let me ask you this question, Darren, right? You're a massive Packers fan. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you think the Packers would be a different team with such a superstar quarterback like Aaron Rodgers if they had the same player relationship or same player mentality as our beloved New England Patriots? Because if you've got someone like... Aaron Rodgers, who can play the game and play the game well, why would you not just give him constantly new players, young talent, or uh, veterans who can't find a club, but you know have a gift to do a certain job? Why don't they build that Packers team like that? Big difference here is the advantage for the New England Patriots is that they've got Bill Belichick on their sideline and the Packers have got Mike McCarthy on theirs. Now, I'm not knocking Mike McCarthy. What I'm saying is he's not in the same bracket as Bill Belichick. And you can probably count two or three coaches in NFL history who would be in the Bill Belichick bracket. You're talking about Vince Lombardi, Bill Walsh, people like that. We've seen and we talked about it last week. NFL teams struggle with the amount of mediocre quarterbacks that are playing the starting position of quarterback. We, we discussed yeah. it last week. But you have an elite quarterback in the NFL. A few years watching Brett Favre. He stuck with the club. He stayed with the Packers. He's a starter. He's a very, very talented and gifted quarterback and a motivator, just like Brady. But why don't they give him, why don't they give him just one, two, maybe three people every season who know will benefit him and the team? This is what but I find is, so frustrating. This, yeah. But, but I, I think I think in terms of him as a player, I think he's the most talented player at his position in the league. I think Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. But I think from a pure talent standpoint, in terms of the arm and the kind of throws that Rodgers can make, the mobility, the ability to change things and make decisions in a split second on the field, 
I think, gives him the most natural talent of any quarterback in the league. But I think this is where the similarities are there. What they're both very good at is constantly overhauling the roster uh, and, and winning the salary cap battle, which means they can contend every year. And I think the trade-off for a club like New England, for a club like Green Bay, is that Green Bay are in the playoffs season upon season. They're a Super Bowl contender every year. But they're not prepared to go all in because they're always thinking about next year yeah. and the year after that. So they're looking to catch lightning in a bottle to a certain extent, but they're looking to catch lightning in a bottle from a position where they pretty much know they're going to be in the playoffs anyway. So I think that they've gone down that route. Sometimes you see a team go all in, sign a lot of free agents, have two or three years, then they've got to blow it all up again and start again. They're a two or three win team for four or five years. This team, like New England, has been built to last. And I think that they're, they're, both of them are shining examples of what you can do if you draft well, develop players, you can have sustained success in a league where you're not supposed to have sustained success. I've covered it before. I did the NFC Championship game in Soldier Field, the year the Packers won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 45 against the Steelers. And I'm telling you now, Vern, that is the coldest I've ever <laughs> been in my life. I stood there right behind me in a, a heated booth with Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. I went for a wee before the game started. And Joe Buck was in there doing his hair in the mirror with a can of hairspray. And that so is I a stood that... there washing my hands and he's spraying it on and he's got a lackey behind him. And he said, that looks great, Joe. That looks great, Joe. And he said, no, no, I need a little bit more in here. So I've watched him do his hair and it was absolutely iced on before he went out. <laughs> he stood out there for about four hours. And I tell you what, man, I got back to the hotel. The Packers won BJ Raji, interception return for a touchdown, etc. Yeah, yeah. Cutler spent the second half on a stationary bike with his headphones in, yeah. got battered by the Chicago media. Get back to the hotel. The AFC Championship game is the Jets against the Steelers. So this is about, I don't know, 6, 7 o'clock in the evening in the US. So I get in bed and I'm so cold, my body shuts down. And I woke up at dinner time the next day. I slept for all that time. Wow. And I think I'd actually got the onset of, what, pneumonia, whatever it is. I don't know whatever you call it, but... I literally froze them off in that stadium, and I, I never want to go back there in that cold again. It was horrendous. See, that's horrendous. what it, that's that's what it is. It's Joe Buck's lid that kept him warm. All that, never, all that I've hairspray. I've never seen anybody spend as much time on their hairdo as he did. Oh, Every pro- time he moved one strand, he then sprayed some. My grandma used to call it lacquer. Yeah. And they call it hairspray now. Yeah. And he sprayed a bit of lacquer on. Every time he moved <laughs> a strand, he he stuck that down with a bit of lacquer. Then he'd do the other side, bit of lacquer. Wow. Unbelievable. You, can't, you couldn't breathe. You couldn't breathe in the toilet with all the bloody lacquer. No one likes a match. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> Before we do pixies, have I got time to tell my story? I've got a great Tom Brady story. All right, I'm going to try and find a Tom Brady story every week. So this week, uh, I was playing golf at Close House. It's the British Masters. And I was playing with Rory McIlroy, who's a huge NFL fan. And Rory was saying that every year... <laughs> this, is how, this is how you roll, sunshine. It sure is. Rory McIlroy said that every year, him and his dad go down to Masters, the Masters, the Augusta, prior to the Masters, and they play a weekend's worth of golf with Tom Brady and his dad. So they wow. have a weekend, two rounds on Saturday and Sunday. And uh, it's kind of lads and dads. And they have dinner together and they spend the weekend together. It's a, a great story and, and uh, quite enlightening. And, it, and it's good to know that these things happen. Because Rory and his dad are just two top fellas. They really are. And Rory said that Tom Brady is just an absolute gentleman. Which kind of made me feel a whole lot better. Knowing that the GOAT, the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, is not a Richard Head. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. But this, it, I, if you could have one thing to do, I think it'd be that. I think if you could get onto that four ball, oh. that, that would just that'd do it for you. I it? would carry Rory's bag. I happily would. But listen to this. You know, you were talking last week about the Belichick and Brady book that you were reading, right? And you said there was a story about Brady being picked off by the New York Jets and the guy that picked him off was a former New England Patriot. And Brady phoned him up and said, listen, what did you see from me there? that made you realise that I was going to throw the ball to that wide receiver and enabled you to pick me off. And they told him and had a conversation and they ended the phone call with, listen, have a great season, thank you very much. And we, we talked about how committed Brady was to winning and ironing out all his flaws and therefore just having more and more success, right? Yep. So the first day they go out, Rory and his dad, Brady and his dad, Brady goes out, he shoots 86, okay? And he's not best pleased, but it was a great round. Had a bit of dinner. Rory said that straight after the round, he went straight onto the range, spent a couple of hours on the range. Prior to the tea time the following day, he went on the range again. And he had another hour working on a couple of things that didn't work in the first round. He went off the members' tees the second day and shot 72. Wow. That just proves what kind of guy he is. It was either 72 or 74. And he shot either in mid-80s, but it was definitely, I think, 72 or 74. Now, how cool is that? That's just him, right? Well, it's either work ethic or he's a hustler. He's <laughs> either gone out, right, on the, the day before, and he, he said to his dad, Tom Senior, listen, Dad, I'm going to shank it round here for an 84. <laughs> we'll play for money tomorrow yes. because I've got 72 in my locker. <laughs> so Tom Senior is giggling all the way round. Yeah. I think you've worked out here that Tom Brady's actually a hookster. That's yeah. what you've done here. Bit of a bandit. He's gone straight in. Had Rory McIlroy's trousers down and done him for the money on the golf. Yeah, he's walking around with a sombrero with his handicap because <laughs> he's an absolute bandit. All right, pick six. He's gone with a pick six. Pick six. Right, the first Let's one go. to you. You were pitch side for Sky. We've talked about the clubber. What was the best bit? I think the best bit for any NFL fan is watching a team come out of the tunnel. I was stood right next to the Ravens, and it makes you realise how big the offensive line are, even with or without all the gear, without the helmets, without the shoulder pads. They're just massive. I posted on my Instagram, just put units, because it was just self-explanatory. And the atmosphere was great. And watching, I got a lovely video, actually, of Harbour and uh, Joe Flacco walking off the field, like five, Flacco was five yards behind the head coach, and their faces were exactly the same. 
exactly the same. They were both walked off thinking WTF. <laughs> I tell you what, the numbers were exactly the same as well. Yeah. Flacco had zero yards passing and so did Jim Harbour. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> anyway, one for you, Fletch. Yeah. Right, you ran the tailgate outside yeah. as per. Yeah. What's the best bit about that? Well, the cheerleaders is the obvious answer. <laughs> um, obviously. There were two things I enjoyed. One, Neil Reynolds has been bragging for years that he we have a one-handed catch competition and he'd got the record. One of his contestants had had 22. So I dragged the fella out of the crowd from Baltimore, Maryland, and we did 26. Wow. So I was really pleased about that to set the brand new one-handed catch record. What, so um, you throw the ball to each other? No, I throw it to him and he catches it one-handed. He's got to do as many as he can to win the prize. Has he got gloves on? Tw- no, no, oh, no. Wow. No, none of the sticky stuff. Okay. So he did He did 26 in a row. I was, I, was, I was proud of him. So we're now the record holders. We like that. But the other one was we had Jonathan Ogden on the stage, who is probably the biggest human being that I've ever seen. He's not quite as heavy as he was when he played now. He's slimmed down a lot, but he's still 6'9", and he's still got quite a lot of hair on top as well. So he's over seven feet tall. And he was telling us on the stage that in his mind when he played a game, he always wanted to rip the fella's limbs off on the other side of the offensive line. (laughs) He said, but you knew when I'd got you. And we said, how was that? He said, because I started laughing at you. (laughs) He said, so the the actual pièce de résistance of any NFL game was when I could start laughing at the defensive end. He said, because at that point, they knew and I knew that I'd won. And I just love to hear the all-time greats in whatever profession they are just tell you those little stories, those little snippets. So I, I like that. I like meeting Jonathan Ogden. He was an all-round smashing fella. He was a really, really nice guy. Yeah, I was saying he looked like a nice bloke. Here's one to you then. Drew Brees is here this weekend. Yeah. Now, I sent a message across, and I'm going to read it to you, the way I did it, because we can, because it's our podcast. So Crossy, the producer, had changed it a little bit. So I put it across. How bad is it to be Drew Brees? He's brilliant but never quite as good as Brady, Manning or Rogers, And that must be a right pisser for him. <laughs> well, we should ask him, seeing as he's here. Well, uh, he's miserable. They've been miserable all week, haven't they, the Saints? Yeah, apparently, apparently they have. Apparently uh, yeah. they, they, they finished the game, got straight on a plane and came straight to London. But let's not forget, the Jags didn't do that this year, but the Jags, I feel now as, as, a, as a franchise, are accustomed to travelling as a football team to London and the Saints have been here before the Saints have done it before and they this they must have come in on Monday from experience and thought let's get on time as in let's get rid of jet lag so there's no excuse on being tired let's get onto British standard or British mean time whatever it is and let's get set up we'll pitch our tent there we'll enjoy the week it looks like they're not because they all look pretty miserable. Yeah. And we'll play the game on Sunday. You know, and maybe it's a good thing that they came in earlier because it, the kickoff is the same time. It, it's a still a, an early afternoon kickoff. So obviously, an early kickoff in America. It's uh, a breakfast kickoff for them, isn't it? Breakfast kickoff. Yeah. Yep. So I think yep. I think it's a good idea that the Saints have come over early. And as far as Drew Brees is concerned, it's that ever boarding question about NFL quarterbacks. I can't stand people who think that Peyton Manning is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. It does my head in. Okay, Peyton Manning knows the game inside out, back to front, blah, blah, blah. People say, oh, he never had a great defence. He never had a great offence. He did it all on himself. I don't agree. Tom Brady just does it. Drew Brees clocks up all the yards you could ever dream of if you're a fantasy owner. He gets more yards than the M25. 
He's unbelievable. The guy just churns out yards. But why do they not win? That's my question. Why do they not win? Because you have a competitor under centre. I wonder what he thinks, though, when he looks at it. Because he's in most eras, he would be seen as even better than he is in this one. But he's surrounded by those, those iconic quarterbacks. You know, you've got to describe Brady as iconic, Manning as iconic. Rodgers will be iconic by the time he retires. Breeze is always just a notch below them. But you've got and to remember... Really right, well, get on his nerves. well, here it is, though. If he's one ring away from winning the same amount of Super Bowls as Peyton Manning, but yet you don't yeah. put Drew Brees in the same class as Peyton he's Manning. Got the, he's got the same as Rodgers now, hasn't he? One apiece. Exactly. Exactly. So what is it about Drew Brees? And I, I think their offence is too pass-heavy. We were fortunate enough to watch them last week and because I've got, I've got Mark Ingram and I've got Ted Nohans Ginn Jr. in my fancy team. I've dropped him. Told you. I told I, you about I him I know, last week. I know. I've dropped him and then brought him back in because everyone else on waivers <laughs> is garbage. Uh, but has he got the weapons to make him look like an elite quarterback? I don't think he has. Mark Ingram you know, is, what, 3.4 or 4.3 yards per carry? 4.3 is a pretty decent yardage per carry statistic. But when you've got this spread offense, sometimes they have three wide receivers on one side, two on another. That's ridiculous. It means that the defense has a perfect opportunity to get to the quarterback because there's no one blocking. Do you know what I mean? Especially yeah, I if the defense is playing. I think he's, I think he's got he's got two problems there, hasn't he? One is the responsibility never had a defense, really. is the is he's got too much responsibility, I think. Yeah, he's never had a defense, which is a big problem for him. He's got to he's got to get 40 points a week to win which is massive pressure on a quarterback. And Sean Payton never really commits to the running game. You talk about it there. Mark Ingram's a good back. Adrian Peterson's still got gas in the tank. Alvin Kamara, the rookie that they've got, looks to be a really good change of pace. Looks like a great prospect. Yeah, who can catch passes out the backfield. I think if they committed to the run a little bit more, it would keep their defence off the field because the drives would be longer, which is not rocket science. Um, but, also, but I think that... at the moment, he, he's, he's kind of hung out to dry. And, and also, on the Peyton Dave... Manning thing, by the way, <laughs> yeah. statistically speaking, statistically speaking, he is a better regular season quarterback than Tom Brady. Mm. Don't start me off. <laughs> Just don't start me off. We haven't got time. People listen to this going to work and they don't want to hear an angry Vernon K on their way to work. I just thought I'd throw it in there. No, don't start. We'll have, the, we'll have this argument over a few pints and a curry, all right? Yes. All right, fair enough. Uh, Next one. But I think, just going back quickly, just quickly, one more thing. I think if they had a decent established running game, the Saints, it would make the the opposing defence honest. Because then you're always questioning, is he going to throw? Is he going to throw? No, it's a run. Is he going to run? Is he going to run? Yes, it's a run. You know, you're always questioning what Drew Brees is going to do. Because at the moment, it's like, oh, he's going to pass. Because that's all he does. Next. Next up, right. Here's one for you. I have the Chiefs in my fantasy football team, Fletch. Yep. As a whole, are the Chiefs the best team in the NFL right now? They're undefeated. Wow, that is a big question. I think you. I think at the moment, right now, three weeks in, you've got to say yes, because the team that you would put them up against would be New England, and they've beaten New England easily on their own field. I think if you look at the the Chiefs at the moment, they've always got question marks about them in terms of. Is the quarterback good enough? Well, this season, Alex Smith has been more than good enough. If you look at his numbers at the moment, he's completed 65 of 84 passes, seven touchdowns. Kareem Hunt's averaging 8.5 yards a carry. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey are catching passes. The defense is good. 
Andy Reid's the kind of coach who is never really going to cost his team the win. He doesn't make bad decisions in that way. Game plans really well. Sometimes lets himself down a bit with his clock management, but he's a good coach. With what, with what management? Clock management. Oh, OK, sorry. There's an L in there. So I think in a minute, you've got to say the Kansas City Chiefs right now, as we speak, are the best team in the NFL. If you were to say, will they win the Super Bowl this year? I would say no, because I think come playoff time, Alex Smith will become Alex Smith. They won't score enough points. They'll play on, on bottling up Kareem Hunt and teams with better quarterbacks will prosper in January. But right now, I think, yes, they would be the team that I'd say are the best. Right, next one, Vern. Uh, this is from Martin Keaton on Twitter. We like to show one of these in every week. Um, at the Fumble, if you want to send one in. He asks, were your predictions about last Sunday's Wembley game the wrongest ever? Well, they were, they were my predictions, actually. I said nil-nil. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, and I, I said that the, the Ravens would win by three scores, live yeah. on Sky. And yeah. did, did you? I did. And Wow. I don't mind this being my worst prediction ever. I don't get that many predictions wrong, I'll be honest with you. I'm pretty decent at, at this. But I think the whole wide world had a Ravens victory. Yeah. Not one person said that the Ravens would get absolutely thumped by the Jags by more than 35 points. Not In all fairness, anyone. I got a nil-nil draw. In all fairness, I got a nil-nil draw. But I've got to say, what a great performance by the Jags. Outstanding. It gives the British fans hope. That's three wins at Wembley on the bounce. Now, if Wembley becomes an omen for the Jacksonville Jaguars, that, that, that stands in our favour of us getting either the Jags more regular games here or an NFL franchise. So, whoop, whoop, yay, yay, Get out the trumpets. <laughs> well done, the Jags. Congratulations. It did mess up my acker, but I'm fine with it because it was the Jags. One for you. Go on. We've got the Saints this week. So we moved from we the Saints, <laughs> from the Jags to the Saints. You've been to New Orleans. Uh, what's it like as a city? Oh, it's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. The first time I went, I went with Crossy, our producer, and we went on Bourbon Street. Bourbon Street at 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon is like the middle of London on New Year's Eve. It's unbelievable. <laughs> It's the biggest party street I've ever been on. And it's bizarre. It really is bizarre. Um, there are some things that I could tell you, but I'm not going to on the podcast. But I, New Orleans is great. I got stuck in a lift in the Superdome, which wasn't ideal. Bearing in mind, nobody was in the Superdome apart from me and Simon, and my mobile phone didn't work. Hang on, hang on, hang on, the- hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. you got to clarify. What were you doing in the Superdome with Simon on your own? So Simon had gone to test the line for the broadcast the following day. Right. So I said, I'm going to have a wander around. So I get in this lift and it just stops. So I've been gone over an hour. Crossy's thinking, where is he? Um, and I couldn't get out because I couldn't get a signal. So I'm shouting and banging and all sorts. <laughs> Nothing to eat. I was in there on my own. And then I got out because the, 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 the roof of the lift opened and a fella stuck his hands down and I grabbed his hands. And he pulled me out of the lift. And when I got out, I was literally a foot away from the next floor. So I've been, I, could have, I could have climbed up myself and got out. It would have been fine. So I got stuck in there. So that, that wasn't great. I also went to this bar on Bourbon Street the night before the Super Bowl when the Ravens won it. And I didn't partake in this, but there was this really bizarre ritual that was going on. There was a band playing. And about every hour and a half, I mean, they play for 24 hours solid, these guys. And they played covers. They were brilliant. And the bar was bouncing. About every hour and a, hour and a half, they, they pass the, the bucket round and people put money in. And that's how they make the money on the night. A great atmosphere in there. But there's this one particular waitress who was obsessed 
with putting test tubes with various alcohol in it in her cleavage. And then she'd go and find a random person in the bar, literally grab them by the back of their hair and force them down to this test tube and then kind of lean herself forward. And you'd, you'd, they'd drink the contents of the test tube. They got no idea what was in there. And these guys were in such a state by the end of the night. <laughs> One of the guys was actually in our party and she kept grabbing him. And she was literally, <laughs> she was literally smacking him around the face and then grabbing him by the hair and forcing him down onto this test tube. And by the end of the night, he could hardly stand up. It was one of the most bizarre <laughs> things I've ever seen. <laughs> so, listen, if you get a chance to go to New Orleans to watch a game, I'd say go. Wow. I went to I went to the Super Bowl. I was at the, the Super Bowl we talked about earlier on, the 49ers and the yeah. Ravens game. And This I, was the test tube incident. Yeah, well, I got there on the on the day of the game, it was, because I flew in, flew in because I was hosting... IT, I, just give me one second. One second. Simon's just walked into the studio. Can you smell that? Oh, boy. <laughs> I've just been sat here guffing for the last <laughs> hour. And, and Simon's like, oh, my goodness me. So uh, we get there, and the lady at the hotel says, okay, enjoy New Orleans. It's a great city. And she drew, with big black marker, a square around the hotel, with the hotel being in the centre of the square. And all she said was, do not... Leave the square. Enjoy New Orleans. Okay. Is that what she said? Yeah. Yeah, she was telling me where I could not and should not go. Did you have a hand grenade when you were there? No, I had one of those hideous, big, long, tall drinks with a straw in it. The hurricane. Yeah, I had a hurricane. Yeah. Right, so so Crossy had a hand grenade, which... come. It's, it's a green plastic hand grenade. Yeah. No idea what's in it. So he said, I'll try one of these. So he can't drink, he's shocking. So it's really sweet. It's really sweet. So it makes you want to drink it quick. And every bar, by the way, on Bourbon Street is buy one, get two more free. Oh. So every round is three three drinks. It's like Tenerife. So it's like Bobby's and Busby's in the after 90s. About half an hour. Right. So Crossy's got this hand grenade and he drinks it and he's given it the big end. Anyway, after he'd finished it, he could only walk sideways. So <laughs> All of a sudden, he was like Ray Wilkins, you know, the crab. He only went sideways, Crossy. So the hotel was about 25 minutes away. And Crossy walked 25 minutes sideways back to the hotel. And every time he tried to go forward, he went sideways the other way. So if anybody knows what's in a hand grenade, let us know at the fumble. Because I want to know why my friend was in such a state that night. If he'd have been drinking his own aftershave, it'd have been better. But he wasn't on that, I'll tell you. Unbelievable. When is it when they chuck the beads down? When the girls well, saw the beads well, down? Well, well, when, 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 when they chuck the beads down, if you catch them, you're supposed to raise your T-shirt. Ah, OK. So, as you can imagine, when I was walking down Bourbon Street, nobody was throwing beads at me. Ah, Crossy got a couple you. thrown at him, but I, not at me, not at me. It's great. Yeah, it is great. It's a great party city. Now, don't forget to get involved in DraftKings One Week Fantasy Football. Hey, just before you do that, Vern, as yes. well, just one little story as well. Do you know how they used to clean the Superdome field? Clean it? This is a true story. When it was AstroTurf, because it's all different now, it's this so grass, it's, it's a different kind of turf. Yeah. Do you know how they used to clean it? When it, was, when it was the carpet, what did they do to clean it? This is true. Vacuum it? No, they cleaned it with beer. What? The only way you could clean the AstroTurf in the Superdome was with beer. So they used to cover it in beer and scrub it, and the alcohol used to used to clean the AstroTurf. So they used to clean the Superdome pitch with beer. 
Wow. But it stank. Yeah. Listen, I, Ugh. This, that's what they did. Try it on your carpet. If you get a stain, stick it on your I'm not going to try and clean my carpet. Stick a couple, couple of cans of tenants on it, you'll no, be all right. right. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and clean the back of my throat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, You've been trying that for years. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, now, don't forget to get involved in DraftKings One Week Fantasy Football. DraftKings are hosting a $100,000 contest, and it's free to enter with our promo code FUMBLE, F-U-M-B-L-E. Go to DraftKings.co.uk, enter the word FUMBLE, and get involved. We have a team. Eligibility restrictions apply. Go to DraftKings.co.uk for details. Come and play fantasy football with us. It's really good fun. And don't forget, if you go on there, use the promo code FUMBLE and pledge your $5 to play in one of the uh, the money games on DraftKings, you will get two tickets to the end of season due. Vern's got the caravan, the awning, two kegs and DJ decks, and it's going to be brilliant. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Right, two-minute warning. That's the two-minute warning. Who's going to win at the weekend? It's the Saints versus the Dolphins. JJ is on board. Former North London lad used to pay for the London Blitz, but we won't hold that against him. Who's going to win? New Orleans by a landslide. I can't see any way that the Dolphins win this game this week. They were woeful against the New York Jets last week. Jay Cutler should have stayed in the broadcast booth. We are starting to see the Saints' offence liven up a bit. They were really impressive against Carolina. Drew Brees is going to march out onto the field at Wembley, take them up and down the field. Willie Sneed's back this week. That cannot be underestimated. He joins Michael Thomas, Brandon Coleman, and all the rest. Ted Ginn with the frying pan hands on that New Orleans offence. I think they're going to be too much. They'll outscore Miami, and they win going away. Well, I'm going to go against you. Oh, yeah. Only because that's what I'm supposed to do. Because, and only because, no one predicted the Jags would spank <laughs> the Ravens. Jay Cutler's second visit to London. He's going to come on the field. He's going to feel comfortable. He's going to give the ball to Jay Ajayi. They're going to win by one score because all the Dolphins are going to do is run the ball and run down the clock. And they're going to prevent Drew Brees from getting onto the field with his awesome cannon of an arm and his spread offence. And hopefully, hopefully, uh, Jay Ajayi will score at Wembley. There we go. Simple as that. We can't both be wrong. Hey, I'll tell you what, what else there is this week. Somebody's O must go. Now, that's normally a good thing. If two boxers, two unbeaten fighters, square off against each other, somebody's O must go, and it's O. This week, the Browns play the Bengals. And somebody's O must go. One of them's got to win this week. Oh, goodness me. I hope it's the Sean Kaiser. Please, I hope he's victorious because I want... <laughs> we need some young blood. We need some young blood at quarterback in the NFL. That's it. The two-minute warning whistle is gone. We are done. Thank you very much for listening. Over and out. The Fumble has been a Shooting Shark production. We'll be back next week. Thank you very much, Fletch. See you next week, everybody. Word up, m- <laughs> <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.